let me welcome you to Crossroads. A couple of announcements we need to highlight. Today is the day to bring your boxes for the 100 Box Project. I saw people lined up out there getting those things unloaded. So again, if you have forgotten that, we will be here, uh, honestly, for probably an hour and a half or two hours after the service. Uh, you can go home, you can get those, and you can bring them back. We will unload those for you, and we will get them inside. Also, we have all of the food items uh, for about 85 boxes that needed to be filled today. Uh, we have the boxes, we have the items, and we need some people to stay and to help us fill those boxes. So if you have maybe 45 minutes, an hour after this service, uh, we'd love to have you join us in the middle space as we'll be uh, filling those boxes with the food items uh, after this service. So again, you'll leave here, you'll go straight across to the lobby, you'll go through the double doors, and somebody will point out a place where you can stand, sit, or do what you need to do, but we could surely use your help after this service today. It'll, the, 11, the more people we have, the less time it will take. So again, that's the bottom line. So again, let me welcome the people who are joining us online. Uh, we have people joining us really literally from all across the country. And that's one of the reasons that I kind of want to highlight them because I need to tell you, uh, luckily for the last three Sundays, we haven't really needed uh, heat, but you guys know that we have raised, uh, we were trying to raise $100,000 to replace two gigantic 25-ton units that have served us well. They have gone on to glory. Uh, and, and again, so we said we've got to replace those things. We didn't want to. Uh, it just happened. They served us well. But again, up until now, it's in the worship guide. Some of you don't even look at that, but I'll tell you, we have, we have raised, and, and hold your applause, we, ha we have raised, don't, don't hoop and holler yet, uh, we have raised, of the hundred that we needed, we have raised $72,000 to go towards that. So here's what I'm saying. What you need to understand is a lot of that money has come from you, but we've had people all across the country who have heard and seen and known that we had a need, people that will probably never enter the door of this church who have given. Uh, and again, some of those are joining, listening online. I want to give kudos to them because they are difference makers just like you're difference makers. But here's the bottom line that I'm going to tell you because I want to quit talking about this. Can somebody just write the $28,000 check today so we can finish this, okay? Somebody can. I know somebody can. But again, I, again I'm just saying, go ahead and write it and, and we'll just forget about it. We won't have to talk about that. We'll move on to other things. But again, uh, we're getting very, very close. Luckily, the weather's been good. It's cooperated. We haven't needed heat, but we're very close to being where we need to be. Well, if you were with us last week, I said, you know, the interesting thing about Christmas is this is a season of chaos. It can be chaotic. And if there's anything that we have desired to do this year is that we have desired to keep the chaos from robbing you of your peace during what is actually supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. And last weekend, we introduced this idea that, that peace isn't really what you think it is. We think of peace and we think the absence of conflict or, or maybe the absence of problems but peace is actually the presence and the power and the person of Jesus Christ who is with us, like Julio said, who is with us. It doesn't matter what we're going through or what's happening around us. That's the reality of peace. And this is so important in this season where we have relationships, if we're honest, because those relationships that we're kind of confronted with, especially during the Christmas season, those are relationships that actually bring us pain. And a lot of us have those relationships that we have with other people that, again, if we're honest, those relationships are troubled. And, and last weekend, I told you, this is going to be a great season for us to talk about peace, but not just peace. Let's talk about peace in relationships. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 2, verse 14, because it's actually in that one verse that we find a charge. Here's what it actually says, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. You've heard this a thousand times, but you've never thought about it as a charge. It says this. It says, glory to God in the highest, and on peace, on, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, the interesting thing about that verse is this. It doesn't say peace for me or peace for you. It says, but peace for everyone. 
And, and if it tells us that, then what it's really saying, is, in, in a way it's saying, we need to understand that goodwill and peace, that should be our assignment. And if you just think about it, if you give a minute to, to think about it and understand that goodwill and peace and relationships, that's just one of those topics that, that, that's really hard to talk about. But listen to this, this scripture from Romans chapter 12. It says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you. Now look at what it says, the last few words. Live peaceably with all men. All men. See, all of us want peace. And knowing that all of us want peace, maybe, maybe there's a bigger question that I think we need to look at this morning that really applies to everybody in the auditorium and those watching online. And the bigger question we need to ask ourselves is this, are we able, we want peace, but are we able to give peace away? Because see, it's, it's during the Christmas season that, 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 that you're going to find yourself at a table, kind of like this one, decked out, decorated. You know, people go to different extremes. We actually have lights on in the Christmas tree. It's just hard to see them with all the lights we have going on on the stage. I mean, we've got the Christmas plates, the Christmas flatware, the silverware, the bowls. We've got everything. And you're going to be like me, and you're going you're gonna to find yourself at a table just like this. And, and what's really interesting is this. The first question that people usually ask when they see the Christmas table is, what are we going to have to eat? And the second question is usually this, who are we going to invite? Who's going to be sitting at the Christmas table? Because when you think about the Christmas table, I remember growing up and I had one grandmother that did it one way. And I had another grandmother who did it the other way. One was kind of low-key and casual. One was every I dotted and every T crossed. But here's the thing I remember. Every time at the Christmas table, there were people who had disagreements. That there, there would be people sitting at the table who, who during the past year, for some reason, there was, there was something that happened. And there would be a strained relationship. So there are going to be for you, just like maybe for me, there are going to be people sitting at the Christmas table that you have a disagreement with. And here's the other thing. You know what? That person may not be sitting at the table, but that person can be occupying a seat at the emotions of your heart. Somebody that you've had a relationship with. There are just these types of relationships that, that all of us are confronted with. So when you think about it, and when it comes to a table like this, a, a table at your house, you know what? I, I, I should really, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I should sit, sit, I should sit in that table. I should be careful how I sit in that. You know, yeah. I could do that too, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I love this church, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I could sit at this table, go ahead and mail that $28,000 check in and I'll quit talking like that, okay? <laughs> I could sit at this table, I've, done, I've totally lost it, I, I, I could sit at this table, and when I sit at this table, I should want to give you the peace of heaven that, the, that, that has come into my life, but you know what, there's sometimes I want to give people a piece of my mind, right? I should give you the peace of heaven, but I want to give you a piece of my mind. So as we enter into this Christmas season, I think we need to look at relationships. Because these are the relationships you're going to be confronted with. Here's the first one. It's a dysfunctional relationship. That's a toxic relationship. 
You can probably identify a dysfunctional relationship as a, a have to more than I want to. You know what I'm saying? Does, does that make sense? I have to do it. I don't want to do it. A dysfunctional relationship is a relationship where you feel like there are strings attached to it. They do it for me, I'll do it for them. If I do something for them, I expect them to do something for me. That's the way that I would describe a dysfunctional relationship. You're going to be confronted with one of those. And some of us have, will have these people, they will, they will actually sit at the table across from us, around us, beside us. And sometimes they won't sit at the table, but they will sit at the seat in the emotions of your heart. They occupy a place there. They live there. Here's the next relationship. It's a distant relationship. These are the people that I have occasional relationships with. These are the people you only see once or twice a year. We're related, but there's like this relational distance. So again, maybe it's at the table or maybe it's a seat, it's a seat at the table of your heart. But then there's a third kind of relationship. That's a difficult relationship. And when you think about a difficult relationship, I, I just want to be honest with you, that could even be your marriage. It could be a relationship that you have with your adult children or children. It could be a relationship that you have with your parent or your parents. A difficult relationship, here's what it means. It means there's always an issue. And whenever you think about that person, there's always a level of anxiety or dread that comes to your mind. We all have dysfunctional relationships. We all have distant relationships. We all have difficult relationships. But what about this one? Disconnected relationships. Those are the people that you thought were going to be seated at your Christmas table for your entire life. You thought that every Christmas season they would be at the Christmas table. But somewhere along the way there's pain. And because of the pain, you're now disconnected. Maybe it was infidelity. Maybe it was separation. Maybe it was divorce. Maybe it was even death. And now, this Christmas season, you're grieving the fact that there's an empty space at the table. There's a disconnection relationally. People that we thought were going to sit at the table forever. And if we're honest this morning, the last kind of relationship that we're going to deal with is this relationship. It's a delusional relationship. That's a relationship that's, that's there, but there's a fracture. There's something wrong between the relationship you have with this person. And you have this idea in your mind what you believe to be true and what went wrong. But the truth is that the idea that you have in your mind might not actually be true. These are the relationships that there's distance and there's dysfunction and there's disconnection. And because you don't have proximity, the problem with that is that it just recycles and cycles and recycles again in your mind all the time. And, and when you have that relationship, that delusional relationship, that is the person who lives in your head rent-free all the time. So what does God say? What does God say about those of us who follow Jesus? How are we supposed to have peace in relationships? Because it's easy to have peace with people that you like. It's easy to have peace with people that do everything that you say. But what is our responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ to have pain when there are people in our lives who have caused us trouble and conflict? They bring us pain. So this morning, as we, as we, as followers of Jesus, as we seek to have peace, I think we have to start with us. I mean, we're talking about peace in a relationship, but, but really when you think about having peace in our relationships, if we're going to have that peace, it actually starts with us. We have to work on ourselves, which is what most of us don't want to do. We have to do some, some inner work when it comes to being able to love like Jesus so that we can actually experience and have peace in our relationships. 
Because one of the things that I've come to realize is that if I don't have is, is, is that if I don't have peace with people, then I don't have peace with myself. If I don't have peace with other people, I don't have peace with myself. I've come to realize that, that when I'm challenged externally, then I'm bothered internally. And it brings a level of fear and a level of anxiety. Look at Proverbs 12, verse 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of men or man causes depression. Now think about that. Leave that up there. Anxiety. Why, did it, why, why, why does anxiety cause depression? I'll tell you why. Because it's heavy and it weighs us down. So I think we have to go back to the very beginning, to the very start, and look at the reason why relationships are important. And in Genesis, it highlights this all the way back to the start. And it tells us why relationships are important. Look with me. Genesis 1, verse 28. It says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In other words, what, what does that say? Look, 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 at what, look, at, look, look at it behind me and just kind of think about it. What does it say? I'll tell you what it says. It says, for us to be connected, then we can't be disconnected from those who follow Christ. For us to be connected, we can't be disconnected from those who follow Christ. If you and I are going to bring heaven to earth, that vertical relationship, then our, our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with other people, those relationships have to be right. Vertically and horizontally. This is what it says in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Now look at what it says, the last four words. And always be thankful. See, it's hard to believe that those last four words, that in our relationships... That even when we're upset, even when our relationships are challenged, even then we need to be thankful. When my wife ticks me off, I need to be thankful. When your husband ticks you off, you need to be thankful. When your kids are pushing every button, you need to be thankful. Always be thankful. Even when your relationships are seeming to push every button possible. But how do we do this? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to use uh, the word peace, an acronym, to teach you this morning some tangible ways that we can apply this. I'm going to give you the word peace so that we can learn to have some tangible teaching as it relates to having peace in our relationship. Here's the, here, here's the word. Look at, look at the word. The word is peace. And the first letter in that word is P. And P means this. It means pray for the people that bring you pain. Or pay for the people that brought you pain. You want peace in your relationships? Pay, pray for the people who brought you the pain. And I know that's not what you want to do. I know that's not what you wanted to hear. I know you don't think that's the way. You think it should be counterintuitive. It's something totally different. But Matthew 5 says this. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Because here's what happens. When we pray for the people who cause us problems, when we pray, pray for the people who cause us pain, you know what it does? It takes the pain out of our hands and it places it into the hands of God when we pray for them, the people that caused us pain. Think about it this way. What is pain in your hands? I'll tell you what it is. Anxiety. Pain in your hands is anger. 
Pain in your hands is an argument. Pain in your hands is cussing somebody out. But when we take the pain that we're carrying with us and we take it out of our hands and we put it in the hands of Jesus, come on now, it changes things. Because when I pray, it allows me to respond rather than react. When I pray, it allows me to respond rather than react. When I pray, it allows me to place a greater value on the person that hurt me and not not value the thing that I feel in my heart. See, when I pray, it transforms me from being angry to being anointed. We have to learn how to pray. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4 verse 3. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. When I pray, I lose the spirit of of anger and, and I pick up the spirit of forgiveness. When I pray, listen, listen, listen. I enter, when I pray, I enter into the fruit of the spirit. Because prayer changes me before it changes someone else. And can I just time out here? You can get mad at God all you want. It's okay. Get mad at God. Just get mad at him. Holler at him. Get mad at him. It's okay. You know why it's okay to be mad with God? You can be mad at God. You can be mad with God. You know why it's okay? Because God is the one who created your emotions. And if God is the one who created your emotions, then you know what that tells me? That tells me that God can handle anything that you're going to feel. You can take anything you have and you can give it to God. Prayer is the thing that changes our posture. And then out of that pain that we're dealing with, there comes a greater purpose. P, pray for the people who have caused you pain. P, the next letter is E. Here's here's what E means. Examine your heart even when you're hurt. You need to examine your heart, even when somebody has caused you pain. Look at Psalm 139. Now, th- th- this, is, this, is, this is revolutionary. <laughs> because when you read this for what it really says and what it really means, it's not going to be something that you like. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out, look at what it says, point out anything in me that offends you and then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Anything that offends him should offend me. Anything that offends him should offend me. Test my anxious thoughts, it said. In other words, what's bothering me? What is it that's bothering me on the inside? Because many times it's hard to acknowledge the pain that other people have caused us. And at the very same time, it's hard to acknowledge the pain that we have caused other people. But when it said, search me, you know what that says? Let it start in me first. Search me, oh God. That means let the work that needs to be done in the pain and the conflict, the examination, let it start with me. What is my part of the conflict? Or or what if I'm actually the enemy that's in the conflict? Because, see, I never want anybody to be worse off. than when I met them. I actually want people to be better off after meeting me. So I need to ask the question, God, what's my part in this? A great way to start this process of examination is to ask yourself a question. And I'm going to need you just to hang with me and just track with me on this question because it's not going to make sense to you until I kind of explain it. But here's the question. What's coming up for me? Not why am I mad, not why am I angry, 
But, but look at the question. What's coming up for me? Because here's the thing you have to understand. L- listen, listen. God allows things to happen to us. God allows us to go through things. He allows us to go. This, this is where you need to track. Get, get with me. He allows us to go through things and experience things. And you know why? Because there's something in us that he wants to heal. He wants to heal something in us. So what's below the surface of our anger? What's below the surface of me being upset? What is it? What is it? God, God what, look at the question. God, what's coming up for me? I mean, could it be that we're stuck in this cycle of pain? Because we refuse to look at ourselves. And God wants us to conduct this internal investigation. So we need to ask the question, what's coming up for me? It's it's almost like God uses your emotions. That your emotions let you know that it's time to heal. I mean, think about your emotions. They get the best of you. You feel your emotions. So can I tell you that emotions are great consultants, but they're terrible CEOs. They're great at giving you a little direction, but they're something you never want to let take the lead. Your will has to kick in. And you have to say, I'm going to do something about this, this time. I think one of the things that we have to deal with is healing the inner child. I mean, think about it this morning. That family of origin issue that you have in your life, that you were introduced to when you were three years old or 10 years old or 18 years old or or when you were a young adult. And you've carried those family of origin issues with you your entire life. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 14. It says work. That's the key word, work. Work at living in peace with everyone. Look at what it says. And work at living. Work, work, work. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. See, look, look at the verse. You see the word everyone, work at living in peace with everyone? That's just a reminder of all the people that we have to live in peace with. But think about it this. Could the problems that we're dealing with right now be a problem because there's something in our life that we didn't deal with as a child. Something that happened to you. I didn't deal with my family of origin issues. And because I didn't deal with the family of origin issues, the things that happened to me when I was a a child, now the expectations that I put on other people are a result of the people that let me down when I was a child, when I was three, when I was eight, when I was 15. And the scripture told us, what did it say? It said work. So here's what you have to understand. And again, I I probably should have done this. It would have really made visual connection with you. I probably should have had a mirror here because, because when you, when you stand in front of the mirror and you look at the mirror and you see the person in the mirror, The person in front of you is a result of the person behind you. And I need to get healed. Because many of us are bleeding out when it comes to relationships. Because we were injured in the past. We have to examine our heart. Which leads us to the next letter. P-E-A. A is this, accept 
that God uses fractures for a better future. Matthew 5 says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached. Wasn't Billy Graham, it was Jesus. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers. So if Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, think about conflict. If blessed are the peacemakers, then it's almost like conflict is a gift. It's almost like conflict is an invitation from God that he's teaching us to be able to love just like he loves. So that really means that there can be a greater purpose in the pain that we're feeling. But peacemakers... Those are the people who go out of their way to resolve the conflict. In order to be peacemakers, you know what that means? If you're going to be a peacemaker, that means you have to engage in conflict. Because who's our model? Jesus. And Jesus confronted people. He confronted the people in the temple. He confronted the disciples. He didn't shy away from conflict, but what do we see in the life of Jesus? He was still a peacemaker. So that means that we should have the courage to bring peace with us. And one of the things that I have heard said that I believe is so true as regarding conflict, Never confront somebody unless your goal is to bring life to the situation or the person. Never have a hard conversation unless you want to bring healing to that person or to yourself. Never. Don't don't have a hard conversation if that's not your goal. It's the very reason why we have to accept that God uses fractures, fracture relationships. For a greater future. The next letter is the letter C. P-E-A-C. C means this. Commit to, this is going to make no sense to you, but just, just, just go with me. Commit to a route of reconciliation. Because forgiveness is a decision. Reconciliation is a decision. Every single day I'm going to get up and every single day I'm going to go through something. And I have to make a decision. God, I forgive me. Or God, I forgive them. And that simply means, God, I forgive me. God, I forgive them. I'm committing. I'm committing to a route of reconciliation. But see, when when we pursue the route of reconciliation, you know what happens to you? Same thing that happens to me. I get sidetracked. I get sidetracked by anger. I get sidetracked by fear. I get sidetracked by disappointment. And you know what? I come back to church. I go go back home. And we come back to the relationship. And what happens is we're stuck in this cycle and over and over again because we have allowed our frustrations to sidetrack us. But look at what it says in Romans 12, verse 18. Here's what it says. It says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now look at what that says. If it is possible, as much as it depends on who? On, on, on. One more time, we're going to get it. I'm going to be like a third grade teacher. We're going to write it up on the wall, you know. As much as it depends on you. What can you control? Nothing. You. You control you. That's it. You can't control what somebody else does. You can't control what somebody else says. You can't control how somebody else responds. See, we talk about this route to reconciliation. You know what? Somebody may not be willing to reconcile. Honestly, reconciliation may look different than what you thought it was going to. It may look totally different than what you prayed for it to look like. But if the other person in the relationship isn't willing 
or if the situation is an abusive situation and it isn't safe for you, then reconciliation is not possible. But let me tell you this morning, listen, listen to what I'm saying. I, I'm going to tie this to Romans 8.28. Even if recon reconciliation is not possible, God will still use it. Did you hear me? Even if you can't reconcile with the person, God will still use it. Look at what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God will still use it for good if you are willing and if you allow him to use it for good. So reconciliation or the route of reconciliation may not look like you want it to. Or it may not come to you when you want it to. Or how you want it to. But that route of reconciliation will come if you surrender and submit yourself to the Lord. See, we, we, we all have these relationships. And, and not every relationship that you have is going to be somebody sitting with you at the table. Might be co-workers, business associates. And they're not going to be at the Christmas table with you. But, but we know that they actually occupy a seat at the table of your heart. Or maybe it's somebody in your life that's living in your mind rent-free. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 7. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. Now, look at, look at that scripture. Because when you, when you look at that scripture, you know what you start to realize? It's not about your rights. We're all concerned about rights right now. It's not about your rights. It's about your ways. So it makes you ask the question, God, God, what are my ways? What are my ways when I'm upset? What are my ways when I'm offended? What are my, what are my ways like when I'm bitter? What are, my, what are my ways like when I'm frustrated? What are my ways like when I'm angry? Because God said it's, it's not about your rights, Randy. It's about your ways. And look at what he said. Even when your ways please me, even then your enemies will be at peace with you. So this morning I'm here to tell you that there can be peace in our relationships, regardless how bad the relationship is. And the last one as we end today as we think about this Christmas season, as we ask God, 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 I need the gift of peace. There's the last letter, P-E-A-C-E. E means embrace the gift of grace. It says this in 2 Peter. May God give more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. See, here's something I think we need to see. As I give more peace, or as I give more grace, I receive more peace. Now think about that. As I give more grace, I receive more peace. As a follower of Jesus, are you giving grace to the people who cause you pain? Are you giving grace to the people who have wronged you? Can I, can I take it a step further? Can, can you give grace to yourself? Because a lot of peace in relationships, you know what that's really about? It's about having peace with ourselves. And I need to appropriate and I need to give grace to myself. See, see, so many people think that, that when we talk about this idea of grace, that, that, that giving grace applies to everyone else but them. So many people think that Jesus died on the cross for everyone else but them. And you know what I think we need to do? 
Sometimes I think we just have to get on our knees and cry out to God to help us forgive ourselves so that we can then pour out grace on other people. It's really about us today, Crossroads, those watching online. It's about adopting a posture. A posture of surrender. Because I'm going to tell you, I realize the things that we have talked about this morning are difficult. This is not a fun topic. It's not something that, that people really honestly expect to hear about at Christmas. But I told you, I wasn't going to let Christmas rob you of the peace that I know is available for you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask you right where you're seated to just take on that posture of surrender. And if you will, I'm just going to ask you, nobody's looking. Let's, let's just let everybody close their eyes. And, and if you will, will you just put your hands out in front of you, open, your palms open, your hands open. It's just a posture of surrender right there in your seat. Because this morning I want to pray over you. I want to pray that you would have the peace that passes understanding, even in the midst of difficult relationships. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for grace and mercy and your love that was extended to us in the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, went to the cross, was buried and rose again, and now sits at your right hand interceding for us. God, I pray that every person in this room, every person listening, watching right now, those who watch later in the week, that they would sense the very presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would move in their lives in ways that they can't even explain, and that peace would overtake them, that they would be full of grace and peace. And they would walk out the days that you have for them. Let your Holy Spirit go before them and behind them. Let your hand rest on them. As we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. When you came in this morning, you were given the elements of communion. And, and, and you know, I love communion during this season. Because really, I think it applies well to what we've been talking about this morning. I mean, think about it like this. Our connection with God requires communion with people. And our communion with people, honestly, it requires a connection with God. So this morning, as, as we take communion, we, we just need to realize that, that there was a time that, that Jesus sat at a table. And he served other people. He served somebody who would betray him, Judas. He served Peter, who would deny him. He served these disciples who were dysfunctional and disconnected and delusional and distant. And he served them. And you know what, this morning, I think if there's anything that God needs to teach us, it's how to serve. Let me read this this morning. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the top of the little cup that you have is the wafer. You can just peel back the plastic take the wafer and let's eat the bread in the same way 
he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's take the cup. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he returns. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would give us grace and peace this Christmas. That we wouldn't just be peacetakers, but God, we would be peacemakers. That we would be during this season and throughout the days that you give us, that we would be the people that you've called us to be. People of love, people of mercy, people of grace, people of peace. And it's all made possible through the sacrifice of your son Jesus who came as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes and was laid in a manger. That's the peace that we aspire to have. People of peace and people of love as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Oh, 
fear and death. And this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. And Jesus commands my destiny. And no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever look me from his hand. Till he returns, what calls me home, here in the power of Christ.